Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra Podcast. Pete Sampson joined by Tom Lowe and Kevin Sinclair. We're a week away from the opening day of the early signing period on December 20th. Notre Dame had a handful of official visitors in for their Echoes weekend, uh, and you know there was news beyond that as well in terms of a couple commitments, uh, a decommitment, and maybe some potential movement at the wide receiver position, which is where I want to start before we get into sort of the individual five guys in the second segment. And that's just sort of the wide receiver spot because it, it's gone – it sort of ebbed and flowed between Notre Dame was in an extremely strong spot to they had to make up for Braden Lindsay's decommitment, found Jordan Porter, liked him as sort of a next best option, then he decommits over the weekend. But Braden Lindsay is back on in play at least. And I guess in terms of Tom, I'll start with you and the Braden Lindsay aspect of that because I mean if you're Notre Dame, this is the potential best-case scenario, you're back to exactly where you wanted to be during spring practice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that Notre Dame is in a great spot right now um, to land the four-star wide receiver who, in my opinion, had an outstanding senior year, and it's very much reflected on his new ranking at 24-7 sports. He's currently listed as the number 144 overall player in the country, um, top 247 according to the 24-7 sports composite ranking. So, Lindsey can do it all. He's got elite speed. Um, he improved uh, just as a pass catcher, and he's also a major threat as a kick returner, and that's what Notre Dame's selling here. Um, they want him to step right into the two deep. Um, they think he can have that kind of an impact as a freshman, and they also think that he could be you know, uh, the opening kick returner against Michigan next season. So they have a lot to offer. Um, not a lot of schools have, have what they can offer, at this point in terms of athletics, academics, early playing time, and also providing a a place where he's comfortable with. Obviously, he was once committed. So, um, in my opinion, this looks like a Notre Dame-Oregon battle. You know, we're talking about the wide receiver board. You know, depending on when this podcast gets posted, I expect Chase Coder to be completely off the board and off to UCLA. So, that's just one less spot where he, you know, because he was, Lindsey was considering UCLA as well. So, I really think this is a Notre Dame-Oregon battle, and right now it's really hard for me to see him ending up somewhere other than uh, with the Fighting Irish, which would be a huge pickup for Dell Alexander, Chip Long, and the uh, rest of the staff. How did they get the, the track aspect sorted of it? Because that was sort of a subplot of this recruitment, and part of the reason Lindsay said it, it went sideways with Notre Dame initially. Yeah, I guess it was more of like, I think it was the timetable, and I think that Notre Dame may have whether they meant to or not, came across as, you're, you know, you're here to play football, you're here, this is the scholarship you're on, you're not here for a track scholarship. But I just think that, you know, lines got crossed, and they made it clear that, that you can do track while you're at Notre Dame. Troy uh, Pride does it, and I think that that was kind of telling and saying, like, okay, you know, it, it is really an option. 
They're not just telling me something I want to hear. And, you know, if I want to do both when I'm here, which I do, that's I can do that at Notre Dame. So um, I think that's all it was. I think it was just a mixed message or how heard. And I think maybe even Notre Dame may have played too much hardball when it came to it. But all of that's a thing of the past. Um, Lindsay, his father, everybody's completely on board with that. And they really, really liked what the Notre Dame coaching staff, as well as the track staff, had to say. Yeah, Kevin, as you were talking to some of the commits who were in town over the weekend, it sounded like the vibe they got from Lindsay was extremely positive. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you know, they, they went out uh, one, the one evening, and, you know, it was snowing out. They were having a good time. They all hung out together. And he, apparently he was just having a blast. It was a very much, um, you know, sort of a getting the boys back together, almost like, a, I guess, a reuniting uh, kind of weekend because you know he was a, a firm part of the class he was a big time recruiter for the Irish as well and uh, you know now that um, you know he returned and he's back uh, in the mix with Notre Dame uh, guys like Micah Jones the guys he was close with um, it just turned out to be a really great weekend for him from what I was told yeah it's, it's interesting I think back to the opening and before that when Lindsay was still part of the class uh, when the Jason Adamola competed in the opening. Justin was going to go and actually stay at Lindsay's house, um, is what the family told me before things went sideways there. So, yeah, I think a sort of a pseudo reunion is probably a good way to, to sum up that vibe there. Um, getting into Porter and his decommitment, um, you know, Arizona State's involved a little bit now. I, I got the sense talking to my sources around Notre Dame that this was a real surprise. They weren't necessarily sweating the decision. Um, but I don't know what vibe you guys got uh, from talking to people around Notre Dame that this was, this was a maybe a shock would be too strong, but it, but it definitely was at least a surprise. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I I didn't expect it. I mean, I although if you really if you really think about it, you go back to when he made his decision. There was a lot of uncertainty um, both on Notre Dame side, Arizona State side. You know, are we going to get this kid? Or are they going to get this kid? There was a lot of uncertainty between both programs and. Porter played things pretty close to the vest and good for him on that front. But there was, you know, so it really doesn't shock me in terms of this kid was genuinely torn between both schools down the stretch. And I think it was really late in his decision process um, when he actually committed on November 1st. I think it was really close to that point where he finally said, all right, I want to go to Notre Dame. Because this was not a done deal. I'm talking even three days, two days before the announcement. So, it was very tight down the stretch. Um, so if you really think about it, um, it really shouldn't come as too much of a surprise that a kid who was going back and forth may eventually flip back to the other school if they just aren't feeling it and they don't feel as comfortable and maybe they felt rushed in the decision, which I know we'll talk about him later, but maybe that's exactly what occurred with Houston Griffith and his Florida State commitment. He wasn't necessarily sold, and he rushed and made a decision to kind of get the process over with. So I think that's something that, that – um, the more I thought about it after the fact, it didn't shock me too much. But I thought that the decision to not give Notre Dame a heads up and not kind of let them know, hey, this is coming, was, was, was probably the biggest surprise to me based on the relationship that I know he had with Dell Alexander and Chip Long. Um, now, mind you, I reported it after the fact that I was told, I know, uh, Pete, you and, both, you and Kevin both heard the same thing, that, that maybe it was because they went back and pushed for a guy that, had already left and Braden Lindsay and had him on campus. And that was the big reason behind it. Maybe they didn't feel wanted anymore, but um, there's just a lot, of, a lot to, it, it was shocking at the time, but the more you think about it, maybe it wasn't a huge surprise. Yeah. And Kevin, you've sort of gotten to know the family with uh, Porter a little bit. And 
I always got the vibe that a big fish, small pond vibe would be good for him because uh, they felt like they were sort of underranked, undervalued anyway. Uh, and for Notre Dame to sort of get back involved with Lindsay, whose decommit was the only reason Notre Dame offered Porter in the first place, I, I just have a hard time seeing that not sort of raising the ire or at least sort of making the Porter group think, wait a minute, you know, are we really the priority that uh, we were led to believe? Yeah, yeah. In all honesty, uh, I could totally see the brain Lindsay visit being one. I'll also note that yesterday I noticed uh, Jordan Porter got an offer from Tennessee. So I guess there would be a possibility maybe Tennessee had been speaking with him. And, and uh, you know, but there's also, you know, just a situation where Notre Dame is, you know, gaining some momentum here. And Braden Lindsay, I, I think he's well aware. I, in fact, I think I spoke with Jordan Porter about just the fact that he got the offer you know, immediately after Braden Lindsay had decommitted. And there's been a lot of press out there about Braden Lindsay. And um, from getting to know the family, Porter himself, um, how they sort of uh, take the, the whole recruiting process, I could certainly see them being, uh, uh, you know, concerned about it. And the fact that, um, you know, it came as such a surprise, no heads up, uh, you know, right at the same, you know, in the same time period of Lindsay setting that visit and, and decommitting and then coming to Notre Dame, um, it all sort of makes sense. It, Kevin, you sort of plugged in with Lawrence Keyes, and that's a guy that, you know, what I think whether Lindsay works out or not, they'll continue to push for Lawrence Keyes. Maybe it will depend on how hard they push because he's a more of a late signee. But what what's sort of the vibe you're getting right now on Keyes with his official visit still on the horizon to Notre Dame? Yeah, so I think Notre Dame does lead there, and he told me the other night, you know, he said, you know, Notre Dame's my top school, then backpedaled a bit, saying, well, Notre Dame and Houston are my top two. Um, I continue to hear that Auburn and LSU just won't have room. There's, you know, I'm just hearing there's no chance there, but um, LSU keeps having these in-home visits with them, so you know, we have to be aware of that. Nebraska and Ole Miss sort of still speaking with him, but as of now, uh, Houston – and Notre Dame at a top two. He had an official visit to Houston on the weekend, but it was canceled because they had the snow down there uh, in LSU or in Louisiana, um, which sidelined that. And then I also found an interesting on Sunday, um, Houston's offensive coordinator left um, for the quarterback coach job, uh, Brian Johnson, at Florida um, with uh, Mullen, who he used to coach with at Mississippi State. Um, I know definitely that like, he's as mentioned. Brian Johnson, when talking about his Houston uh, recruitment and, you know, the coaching staff there. So, of course, that uh, sort of may play a factor. But then, Pete, of course, I brought this up to you when uh, when I found this out, I believe it was on Sunday. And, and right away you said, well, maybe Florida will get involved. They'll get an offer there. So, of course, we've got to think, you know, this really speedy, uh, quick, explosive, exciting uh, wide receiver from Louisiana, of course we have to think you know there's, there'll be a possibility of an SEC school getting involved late. But as of now, I like Notre Dame. Uh, four keys. I'm not going to put a crystal ball pick in for him now. But also, in terms of all of this, when I was speaking with Micah Jones um, on, I believe, Monday or Sunday evening, uh, I was saying, I asked him, with Porter decommitting, is Notre Dame still looking for four wide receivers? And he said, yes, that's they are still definitely wanting four wides. And um, looking at the board, Braden Lindsay and Lawrence Keyes kind of being the only two really um, kind of options, available options for them. If they don't get one, will they extend the board? 
lots to, lots to sort of look at there, and I think he's has become more of a priority since Jordan Porter decommitted. Yeah, that's um, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers shake out at that position. But spinning it into the five guys segment, Tom, I'll let you lead it off um, with the newest commitment. You were you pretty much own this recruitment from start to finish. The start on this one was so old. I remember seeing Houston Griffith at a spring practice where Everett Golson was taking reps at quarterback. Um, I guess sort of take us behind the scenes on how Notre Dame got this one done. Yeah, man, you're not lying. That was a long time ago, long, long process, man. It was, uh, I want to say it was in March of 2016 when, when Notre Dame initially offered. And um, so let's fast forward to now. I mean, this guy, obviously, everybody knows he's committed to Florida State. I just hit touched on it before I felt like he may have rushed into that decision because the communication between him and the Notre Dame coaching staff never slowed down. I mean, it was, it may have even picked up as soon as he committed elsewhere. So um, really nice get for the defensive staff. I think they did a very good job of being honest with him. I know he's listed as a cornerback and I know he's got an opportunity to play there. And, you know, after seeing Julian Love have so much success, it wouldn't surprise me if Houston stuck at cornerback made some, you know, made some strides there and played early, um, likely as a freshman. But in all reality, I really like him more at safety. I think he's got um, that dog personality you want back there, like enough athleticism, enough ball skills, um, a willing tackler. You know, I think this is a guy that, that, that Notre Dame is, is very happy to get, and I think he's very happy that he's, he's heading home of sorts to, you know, to South Bend, back to the mid- Midwest. So, um, they, they put in a ton of work, man. It was, this was a far from a done deal. Obviously, if things didn't improve on the field, there's no way he was going to end up at Notre Dame. But Mike Elko came in and, and, and made major strides with this defense. And there was guys that um, are improving a great deal and did so when Griffith would visit practice and saw these guys making strides. You know, like I said, Julian Love, a guy he knows well, has done nothing but improve since he arrived. And Isaiah Robertson is a guy that's going to, push for a ton of playing time next year i continue to hear really good things about him um you know just on how he's improved since he arrived another guy close to griffith so there's no reason that he can't think that he's going to have success at notre dame and uh like i said fighting irish fans should be pretty excited about what they're getting in the uh under under armor all american and top 100 player yeah it's um it's interesting to think back to talking to him at the opening when notre dame was basically kind of out of it at that point or at least on the periphery, and I asked him just sort of how, how important it was winning and competing for the playoff and competing for titles. And the look he gave me when he started talking about Notre Dame was just like, yeah, that's the thing with them is they're coming off a 4-8 and eight season, and I just don't feel like they're, they're in a competitive situation. And now you fast-forward it six months, and Florida State is in a, a bit of a rebuild mode, and Notre Dame's coming off a 9-3 and three year. So it's uh, – it's a testament to how quickly things can change uh, in, in college football. Kevin, there's another commitment in the last since our last podcast, Tariq Bracey, and he's somebody that I think you've liked quite a bit for a long time, going back to when Notre Dame really got involved with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I started speaking with Bracey before he got uh, offered, actually. And I think, first off, I think Tom agreed we talked about this the other day. He'd be hard-pressed to just find a nicer kid than Tariq. We are talking about just just a really great kid. Um, and, you know, you kind of look at his, uh, his film and skill set. It was sort of difficult to get a read on how he was as a defensive back, but I've watched uh, a few of his games uh, this year. 
And I mean, for instance, um, I tuned into his state championship on the weekend. Uh, and he, I mean, he had four rushing touchdowns. And you look at his uh, stat categories. I mean, he had 1,280 yards rushing this year. Um, I believe he had three interceptions this year, he t- and he took each back for a touchdown. Uh, his junior year, he had over 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. Um, just a big-time playmaker. I think he even kicked extra points at one point just in his career. So, um, But anyhow, uh, not a huge offer list, of course. Um, I believe his only other three Power 5 offers were Cal, Utah, and Washington State. Um, he does have a, a brother who plays football as well, Tyree. And um, what I think maybe not everybody sort of caught on to until uh, more recently um, was uh, just sort of the idea of playing with his brother somewhere was, I think, a lot more of a factor than we had uh, known about. He wasn't really vocal about that in the past. And um, I think that um, possibly playing uh, with his brother at a school closer to home, San Diego State was the one being discussed there, um, was sort of what was holding him off there. I think it was that was holding him off more so than um, the supposed waiting for a USC offer. Um, it was more about his brother here. But um, from... I, I spoke with him after his commitment. We had a good long chat. Um, Tom had already sort of filled me in on some of this before the conversation I had with him, but it sounded like, um, you know, real late Thursday night, he just sort of just came to him. You know, I cannot pass this uh, offer up to go to Notre Dame, called the staff, told him that uh, he, he wanted to commit, told some of his teammates shortly after. Of course, didn't announce it until the weekend. Um, Brian Polian, definitely uh, the guy to sort of tip your hat to in this recruitment. He does really, really well um, in recruiting as a whole, but especially with kids out in the West. Um, I know that that's important to have since Denbrock uh, has moved on, of course. Um, I like Tariq Bracey, rated in the top 300 with 247 sports. Uh, I see him as a cornerback, maybe possibly understudy Sean Crawford a bit at nickel. We'll see, but um, if you look at all the defensive backs, Derek Allen, Houston Griffith, um, definitely highly rated guys. Uh, Tariq Bracey probably has the most speed out of the group right now. And Kevin, like like you said, man, I, I completely agree on Bracey being one of the nicest kids. I mean, he is he's humble for his being as talented as a player on both sides of the ball. He really is. Talk about humble. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing I want to add that, that you mentioned, but what a credit to his brother, because I'm told that yeah, initially the, the thought was that they were both getting a San Diego State offer, um, which is why they were leaning that way to go there. But then it was found out it was a preferred walk-on spot for his brother at San Diego State, which kind of changed things. But from what I'm from what I'm told is that they had a conversation, and, and Tyree even pushed. He said, "Take the Notre Dame offer, go go do big things." He goes, I'll, "You know, I'll get taken care of." Things like that. And in addition, you know, credit to the Notre Dame staff because they're doing all they can to reach out to some places to, to make sure Tyree um, gets an offer somewhere because they think he can absolutely play, whether it's, you know, quarterback in a wildcat kind of, you know, dual threat system or actually play safety because they think he can play that position very well. So just a credit to everybody involved on this one. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the brother for being, you know, you know, take that, take that spot at Notre Dame. And so just really good job by everybody. But, um, just to move forward, I want to talk about my next guy, uh, Malik Langham, defensive end out of Alabama. Some, some are recruiting him at defensive tackle. Um, just kind of the latest on him. Um, Al- uh, Notre Dame made a big impression this past weekend when he was on campus for his official visit. You know, they hit all the boxes. Um, I think that snow isn't helping Notre Dame. The cold weather <laughs> is definitely not. 
not a, a big plus for the uh, for the Langhams here. But um, you know, all good things from Notre Dame. In the end, I don't I don't see it working out for the Irish. I loved Notre Dame before Alabama offered, before he was um, offered directly by head coach Nick Saban, and I like. I like Notre Dame before Jeremy Pruitt left Alabama to become the head coach at Tennessee. So once those two things happened, I knew Notre Dame was facing an uphill battle. And despite, you know, in the end, it's a kid from Alabama with an Alabama offer. So naturally, they're going to be really difficult to beat. But I actually do have my 24-7 sports crystal ball on Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee Volunteers. I think they're going to be able to pull off the, the perceived upset on this one. And um, so, although he's still on the board for Notre Dame, and there is still a shot because, like I said, he definitely is looking for a blend of football and academics. I, I do think he ends up staying uh, in, in, in SEC country and uh, playing for Tennessee. Yeah, Kevin, there was another official visitor, another guy you've been plugged in really well, who was in, I guess I shouldn't say official visitor, a visitor who was in last weekend. Um, that's, it's really getting down to the wire on Kyler Gordon, where do you feel like Notre Dame stands right now? Yeah, so this one uh, is sort of becoming trickier by the day. Um, it's definitely a Notre Dame-Washington battles, and it, you know, really trading punches there. These in-home visits, um, Washington defensive back coach, uh, Lake, definitely uh, an aggressive recruiter. Um, of course, he's from Washington. Um, but, you know, he took uh, an unofficial visit, of course, which is on his own dime, uh, to Notre Dame on the weekend. Um, I spoke with uh, three different commits who, you know, spent time with him on the weekend. Um, I sort of get a sense that from what they're all telling me, he's more of a, like an observer than a talker, which sort of makes him difficult to read. Not, uh, not a kid who's really outlandish in the way he speaks or anything like that, but he had a great time, had a lot of fun with the photo shoot, those types of things, went out with the guys. Um, yeah, and then, you know, this week, of course, uh, as Tom reported, uh, Todd Light, uh, Mike Elko and Brian Polian will be able to visit him. Should be the the last visit there, and uh, we'll be taking a visit to Washington this weekend, which of course is concerning for the Irish. Um, you know they they're really coming at him hard, and you know the way I look at it is Notre Dame has put out every bit of effort possible to get this kid, and if they don't get him, they they'll know they definitely let you know left it all out out on the field, so to speak. Um, you know, the, another way I'm also looking at this is, you know, that they have Tariq Bracey, they have Houston Griffith as well. Um, if you don't land Kyler Gordon, it's uh, not a tragedy, so to speak. Um, there's still Noah Boykin. They have options. Um, the, the defensive back class could close today as it is. Um, it's still a good defensive back class, but Kyler Gordon would make it like truly, like I would call it an elite uh, defensive back class, one of the very best, um, you know, in this cycle. Um, whether Notre Dame's going to land this guy right now, um, I'm leaning towards Notre Dame. We'll see how things go uh, over the next week. He's gone from him and his sort of camp have gone from being fairly quiet about what's going on to uh, darn near silent now. So um, how much of a read we'll really get uh, from an insider aspect, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, like I said, I'm still leaning towards Notre Dame with Kyler Gordon. And then, Tom, to wrap up with you, a guy that we're going to have to wait basically 24 hours to figure out where he's going, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, Tommy Trumbull. Uh, that's, this is down to the wire here between it feels like Notre Dame and Michigan. I think you and I have been both pretty confident with Notre Dame, but there's certainly a lot of momentum, at least in terms of the 24-7 crystal ball with uh, Michigan right now. 
Yeah, we should know Thursday. That's the plan. Uh, head coach Brian Kelly going in along with Chip Long and I believe Autry Denson um, today on Wednesday to make the final pitch before he makes his decision on Thursday. You know, one intriguing factor is that as of right now, Michigan is supposed to go in for an in-home visit tomorrow on his the same day he's going to make a decision and a final commitment. Um, kind of kind of odd, and I think it's a little awkward. Um, and those were his his. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I do like Notre Dame. I, I think that they have done a really good job in terms of building that relationship. You know, Tremble was injured for the majority of his senior season, if not all of it. I'm kind of forgetting on the timetable. But Chip Long was the first coach to reach out and, and explain to him, hey, we still love you. We still want you at Notre Dame. I don't, you know, we're not too concerned about the injury. Um, so that was pretty telling to me that Tremble – really really appreciated that i remember the phone conversation we had um and it it truly meant a lot to him so in the end i think their relationships uh favor notre dame and i think they're going to end up getting their guy but yeah i mean it definitely seems like um although notre dame still leads by a few percent on the uh, crystal ball it definitely seems like it's a minority to pick notre dame at this point but i know the three of us are all kind of on board with notre dame at this point and it genuinely wouldn't even surprise me if maybe he made his decision tonight um, if he commits to Notre Dame, you know, behind the scenes, if Michigan ends up even making the trip to Georgia to, to meet with him. So, um, and the other thing is, I know he's making his decision tonight, but he seems pretty set on not um, signing early. Um, at least that was the plan as of earlier this week. Um, that's intriguing in its own front. So he could make a decision. It could be Notre Dame. And then he ends up having Michigan at home and, we continue to hear the name Tommy Tremble over the next few weeks leading up to the actual signing day in February. So something to keep an eye on. Um, but, yeah, right now I'm sticking with my uh, 24-7 crystal ball uh, for Notre Dame. All right. Well, it's going to be a pretty active week for Notre Dame on the recruiting front. We're, again, a week away from the first day of the early signing period. We'll be back next Wednesday to wrap up at least how the first day went. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame's perception is that if you're going to sign with us, you're probably going to sign with us on December 20th and not leave it to uh, December 21st or December 22nd. But we'll be back next Wednesday to wrap up. we got a Brian Kelly press conference to talk about the early signing period uh, next Wednesday. So we'll get together with you, Tom Loy, Kevin Sinclair, Pete Sampson, Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. Until next week, thanks for listening.